Namaste, everyone. This is Maria Turco, founder of Honor Yoga and the Honor Yoga Foundation chairwoman. As usual, I always say this, but I am excited to be here today, particularly because it is, you know, September 21st, 21, 9, 21, 21. And we are coming off of a trauma as a world. And our particular speaker today, our guest speaker, really has experience being there, doing that, and her profession gives her the tools and the trade to really speak to us from, from that place of expertise to help deal with whether it's post-COVID trauma or whatever trauma or what, what, whatever challenges, you know, mental challenges you're having um, in your life. So I'm really excited to host her. Her name is Amanda Huggins, and we have just been talking about how she is an original Jersey girl, like Tracy and I were here, went to California, came back. So here we are, Jersey girls in the house. <laughs> Welcome, Amanda. <laughs> Thank you so much. I'm so excited to be here. So in yoga, and I, we want to hear about your yoga journey because I, I um, you know, this we are all about yoga here at Honor Yoga and the Honor Yoga Foundation. You know, in yoga, we have this word called Dharma, right? And that is your life purpose. So maybe you can tell our audience a little bit about Amanda, what your Dharma is and how you came into it and how you're serving the world today. Yes. Oh, what a great opener. You know, at a, at a high level, what I believe my Dharma is, is to help people work through their stuff so that they can live from their soul. And I think that's a good blanket statement because, you know, I, I don't believe in like super trite advice, like, oh, just be happy or just be positive or live your dream. I mean, I love those statements, right? But what does that actually mean for the individual to live from their soul. And often we don't really know what that means unless we've kind of equipped ourselves with the tools and the support systems to facilitate self-discovery and healing. And so that's really what my, my hope or my aim is to bring people I work with directly, people I speak to or about. And how I got here is a very interesting journey, but yoga Little did I realize at the time, yoga was really like my first step in the door to all of this work. When I had first started going to yoga, I was just a mess, you know, as, as many people I think are when they go, they're like, I don't know, I'm looking for something and I also need to work out. And we might not even really know what yoga is when we first unroll our mat. And I found that I hated it. I hated it so much. I was like, I hate that I have to sit in silence and I'm not good at this. And as much as I said, I hated it, I kept showing up. And there were a lot of lessons from those first years just as a student that led me to become a teacher. And that ultimately, again, dots only connect looking backwards, but that's really what led me to this profession that I now really love, which is to serve as an anxiety coach to people. I love it. I'm getting goosebumps, you know, because yoga is the journey through the self to find yourself. And what I love about what you said in the very beginning is that it's, it's, it's a process and the practice of yoga is a pro process and life is a process and you really need to show up every day and, and really have the tools to be able, you know, to, to deal with it. You mentioned anxiety. Now 
one of my daughters suffers from anxiety and she went to a therapist and now she meditates and she does meditation every night before she goes to bed. And, you know, that's her tool to deal with, with anxiety. So was it anything besides your yoga practice that inspired you to go down this path that you are now, or what additionally, if anything, inspired you to go down, you know, this path and how, and how are you finding it, you know, for yourself as a profession, um, in terms of what you're seeing and the work that you're doing, was it more or less than what you expected? (laughs) Oh my God. I mean, (laughs) I'll start with that question, but it was, it's become so much more than what I expected. Cause truthfully, when I first decided I wanted to be a coach, one of my biggest internal fears or question marks was like, are people going to get this? Because I'm not a therapist. And I I make that really clear. I, I don't claim to be, but there is work that, that tends to overlap in terms of us talking about and processing feelings. And so I was, you know, in my younger years, I was really, I wouldn't say doubtful, but I wasn't sure how my work would be received. Part of that was I had to believe in it a little more at the time, I think. Um, But it's become so much more because the way that I divide or kind of try to succinctly explain how I approach emotional growth and healing and my work is scientific, spiritual, and tactical. So it combines all of the things that I was seeking on my own healing journey. And so I kind of, I'll I'll kind of answer both questions at once, I suppose. Um, (laughs) I love, by the way, how you're kind of taking the mysticism out of, out of the healing, but yet incorporating the spiritual of it. Cause sometimes that comes with yoga. It's like, Oh, mystical happening. So I, I, can you say those three things again, scientific, but spiritual, spiritual and tactical. And so what you just said is exactly like the, Oh, I don't know. It was, it was sort of not a stopping point, but it caused me to pause when I was like in the nascent stages of my own healing way before I became a coach is self-help felt a little too like either cheery or coachy or even clinical. And then at the time, spirituality felt so far away from me. I was like, these people are nuts. And so again, yoga was sort of that middle ground because I was like, okay, this is something where I'm moving my body, yet I'm lovingly being forced to become introspective and mindful. And so when I, when I started kind of like pulling more things for my own healing and growth, I was studying the science of the mind, right? How do our anxious thoughts work? How do we deprogram and reprogram ourselves? How do we create belief in self that is honestly like more data backed than anything else? Because I needed that at the time. But you can't ignore the mystical aspect of it all, which is we're more than just our body. We're more than just who we think we are in this lifetime. And so when we look at scientific, spiritual, and tactical, I like to meet people where they're at, right? I had one of my favorite uh, client experiences, this brilliant scientist. And so I was like, okay. She's not going to have any problem with like the neural reprogramming and the more scientific aspect of healing. But I was very curious to see how the spiritual would land. And what I love about this idea of spirituality is that you get to decide for yourself what it means. For some people, it's like, okay, I'm going to go astral project and do all of my like fun, funky stuff, which I love. But for other people, that foot in the door might just be pondering what, what is 
all of this outside of just myself? What, you know, invisible support do I have to lean on? And so those two elements pair really nicely for someone who can't really fully connect to just one or the other. And then the tactical is really the coaching piece, because I know for me, I was like, okay, I'm reading these books. I'm listening to great podcasts. I feel good for a couple minutes after meditation works as like a daily triage, but like, how do I actually change? So the tactical stuff is more like, here are the systems that I use. Here are uh, practices and approaches, and even sometimes Google docs and spreadsheets. And here's like the stuff you need to actually make sure that you're creating accountability so that I, as a coach can kind of fade away into the background. So my goal is I don't want people to need me. I love them and I love, uh, you know, being supportive, but I want to equip people with a full spectrum or full suite of tools for their healing because I can't guarantee life's going to be perfect all the time, but I want to create insurance for the client that they can trust themselves and know what to do when life stops feeling awesome for a little bit, that they can trust themselves to heal. Yes. I love what you're saying. So just so what the audience knows, Amanda and I haven't talked about specifically no. the, 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 the type of work that she does, but I'm going to throw this out there. I'm a big junkie when it comes to, you know, the scientific and also the spirituality. And what's really interesting about your work and what I'm hearing is, is that science and yoga are coming together more and more. There's case studies about how, you know, meditation helps between the processes of the amygdala and the prefrontal cortex and how, you know, the nadis in the body now are being measured as meridians scientifically, right? So, so much cool stuff that science is actually validating a lot of this mystical stuff, right? <laughs> the chakras and meridians. Um, as actually, you know, with evidence and case studies. So what, like what one, like there's so many tools and things uh, just like, give us like one, like more intricate example of like neural programming and spirituality or yoga meditation coming together, the, the crossing of the chasm of the two. And like maybe example of what you've done with a client or more. With yeah. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So at the baseline, like one of the things that I work on first with clients is we start looking at what all of their limiting beliefs are because limiting beliefs are just thoughts. Thoughts are not always true, but with enough repetition, not only does our mind believe those, those statements are true, our body believes it. Mm -hmm. So that's kind of like that center of the Venn diagram between like our energy, our mind and our body is we can convince ourselves of things that have no merit and we will feel the trauma effects in the body. And maybe we didn't need to do that at all. You know, if you're beautiful and wonderful and whole, when I say beautiful, I mean, from a soul perspective, right? Not even talking about aesthetics, cause like who cares about that? But you might be this really incredible spirit and not believe it and feel like you're the worst person in the world. So from the tactical perspective, we'll do a lineup. Like what are your limiting beliefs? And then what are the beliefs that you want to move into? Right. And so baseline neural reprogramming is when you have those thoughts or feelings that are leaning negative, you do your best to catch and replace those thoughts with what you actually want to think about yourself. And most of the time you don't believe it in the beginning. And most people want to, I certainly did want to give up and be like, I don't think I'm awesome. Why am I telling myself I am? Like, I have no connection to this. But this is where energy 
belief and the body becomes so important is humans are the only species that can consciously think about something or select an emotion that elic elicits a different body response. Think about like sexual arousal or uh, hunger, or if you're nostalgia, right? Thinking about a good or a sad time, you think about something and you create feelings in the body. Now, is that something happening right now? No, but your body has a memory. It brings up those feelings and it now it's real, right? So when we're doing like the basic neural reprogramming, we're also working on selecting and eliciting feelings. So it's not so much thinking you are awesome or thinking, yeah, I'm worthy of love. It's how do I call upon memory or how do I create actively the feelings of love, gratitude, joyfulness, expansiveness in the body as I'm practicing it? Because when you bring feeling into this idea of negative thought replacement, that's what begins to solidify it. And there's a million ways to do that. And there's some really... Uh, amazing, simple exercises from the HeartMath Institute, which I work with clients on. It's a really cool process. Definitely takes effort, which I tell everyone going into it, but it is, it is a worthwhile effort. If you're going to do anything, why not work on changing how you feel about yourself? What I love about what you do is you're, I'm going to call it the double whammy approach, because I think that they're there's, you know, mental health practitioners that coach, you know, just on the mental aspect of things. And then you have, you know, body healers like yoga and even massage therapists, right? You've heard of people having a, a an emotional release on the massage table, right? Yeah. Because our body does hold on to everything. And what I love about your work and what you're describing, and it's so true, it's that you, if you want to make like double whammy, exponential change, work on both the mind and the body, right? Because they together, the mind-body connection, you can yield a multitude of progress, right? And well, I was laughing when I read this in you know, your interview questions, what was the one thing that you did for a client that you didn't expect? And this kind of goes along the lines of using the body. I, I thought that was wonderful. I, I'd love for you to just share it with the audience. Yeah. So ecstatic dance. Um, <laughs> what, so, what is that exactly? So I, I don't know if, if the recording of this will be shared. So it doesn't even have to be like ecstatic dance so much as it's just baseline ecstatic movement, which is like, you know, tapping your heels or kind of throwing your arms and wrists, like quite literally using the body to shake off the stuff. And there was a, there was a, I was doing a workshop one time where I was standing up on this chair, moving my computer so that everyone could like see my legs. And I was like, okay, you're just not going to think about it. This isn't like about you being like pretty or on beat. You're just moving. And I had this moment where I was like, you know, I did not think that this is what I would be doing for my full-time job. And I'm so grateful that it is what I get to do. And there's just so much creativity with something like exotic dance or movement because there are no rules. And there are so few places now where we give ourselves permission to just like not really have rules and see what comes up. Uh, and this is one of those little corners of life where it's safe. It's usually kind of fun and it can be very healing for just start in the same way yoga can be to move energy. Uh, but this is in a much less structured way than yoga. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I love it. 
I love it. So staying on that, you know, this journey that you've been on with your clients. So how long have you been coaching and practicing this? I think you said maybe eight years now or so. Full time, about five years. And I had been taking, I wouldn't even call them coaching clients, but I was just kind of having like sessions and chats, usually with my yoga students. And that really was like, for me, the the transition point where I was like, wow, I love staying after class and workshopping with clients just mm-hmm. as much as I love teaching, maybe even a little bit more. And so it, it obviously I, I wanted to kind of equip myself with more skills before I transitioned full-time. I, I'm not a big, like, you need degrees and certifications. Like we can become a million we can get like a million degrees and we'll keep being a student and never teach kind of thing. Right. But there is a certain level where it's like, okay, I want to be really clear on what I'm offering. So there was that like in-between time where I was still studying and learning, but I was working with people too. Right. Yeah. And that's a beautiful thing. And I think as yoga teachers, for those yoga teachers who are, who are listening, we've all had those situations where a student comes up to you after class and just wants to share, right, what they're going through and what they've experienced because the practice of yoga is a mind-body practice. And um, the work that we do on the mat, you know, we're kind of, I love what you said at the beginning, you know, tapping into our purpose, our deeper self, our dharma, what we're here to do. And, you know, yoga is is a tool to get you there. And I I always think that those of us that don't have the opportunity to, you know, to go through life and find out what our purpose is and what we're here to do and our soul's longing, uh, it's really, you know, something that's disheartening. And so I really admire the fact that, you know, you have the courage to say, hey, you know what, I can be really good at this and I can take my students beyond this, just this experience in the classroom to help them really find their inner light. And that's what yoga teacher training is too, right? It's, it's a path to find what your, your greatest gifts are. What would be a story or stories or examples of, you know, your proudest work and why, and, and what have those cases been like for you? Mm, I, I, it's so hard to answer this question because there are a lot of really specific moments. I think if we start at like a general level though, one of the proudest experiences that tends to, gratefully so, come up often is like, when I hear something click for a client, they're like, oh, wait, I get it. Or like, oh my God, I can't believe like, honestly, I love hearing, I can't believe this is actually working because <laughs> it's like, I had the same reaction, you know, I was like, wait, like this is, this stuff actually makes sense. And so of course there's like that momentary, very human validation of like, okay, I as the coach am doing my job, but more than that, it's like this overwhelming pride in how the clients have showed up for themselves because there's a lot that's not fun about healing and shadow work so that you can be more in the light. It's a gross process sometimes. And so there's just this like immense amount of pride when I Pride isn't even the right word exactly, but it's just like, oh my God, I love you so much. You're doing such a good job. And it just becomes this very rewarding feedback cycle. And then I also, in a very bittersweet way, I love when a client doesn't need me anymore. I, there's been a couple where I'm like, I got to kick you out now. Like you don't need me. I'm about to become a crutch and I hate it. 
because I love all my clients, but I love it too. Cause it's like, you're good. You're good. We can graduate you. That's good. It's like a mama kicking the bird out of the nest. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I love that. Yeah. Amanda, what would you say the most important thing you've learned in your life is so far? And what was your life like before you learned it? And then what was your life like after you learned it? Yeah. You know, I remember when I was reading through this question in the form, I was like, I, there's so many micro lessons, but the biggest one that I learned and that I see people like on the precipice of getting this learning themselves is that you can't run away from your emotions. It, you know, you can do such a good job of masking how you feel. I definitely was like a, an A plus masker. The like, I'm good. I don't need help. I don't, don't worry about me. You can be really good at that and you can convince people, but you will never be able to close your eyes to the fact that you know how you feel on the inside. And so before I had that understanding, I was kind of in this holding pattern of like, I don't know, just hoping like maybe I would start to feel better or maybe life would just like magically turn into what I wanted. And it actually left me with a lot of anger and a lot of resent at like, my life in general and inner resent. And when you start to take those steps into like, okay, I got to become more in ownership of how I'm feeling, which as a side note, does not mean if, if something traumatic happened to you, it's not taking responsibility for what happened ever, mm-hmm. right? It's an honoring of where you're at and then a taking of responsibility to heal. So I liken it to like the flu, or I guess we could say now COVID, it's not your fault if you get sick. It's not your fault. You could have gotten sick in a million places, but your responsibility is to make yourself feel better. So that's kind of how I approach it. And I think the the micro lesson within that idea that you can't run from your feelings is actually a yoga concept. It's ahimsa. It's do less harm. And so when we take that literally, it's like, yeah, fine. Let me not run myself into the ground with work or overwork myself or overexert physically. But Ahimsa is also about inner dialogue. You know, it's, am I doing less harm with my healing? I think a lot of people, myself included, want to push and go really fast and just get it over with. But sometimes that can be harder, right? We add so much pressure to our lives. Mm -hmm. So this idea of like, okay, less harm. I'm going to, I'm going to be soothing and soft as I work through things at my own pace, it just really opens up like how you look at and how you approach your own healing path. Yes. And I, and I love what you said too, in your, in your answers, in addition to that, really thinking about what you need and what is it that you need, your, your mind needs, your body needs in order to get, you know, to the other side, to get that healing. It's like saying like, you know, really sitting down when you have the flu or you're sick and saying, what do I need? Right. I need chicken soup. I need my vitamins, I need my echinacea. I need my mom, (laughs) whatever. (laughs) What is it that you need? Um, and claiming that and, and really, you know, um, cultivating a path for yourself, you know, and working through it. You know, I love this idea of uh, the power of vulnerability by Brene Brown. You're kind of saying that it's okay to like, don't run away from your emotions, sit in them, be with them and develop a path. And it's funny that you specifically say like, what do I need? That's one of the 
first questions, and for many people I work with, this becomes a daily journaling practice where you sit down and you ask yourself, what do I need? Because most of us have never been trained into that practice of asking first. We ask others what they need, or we look at our day and say, what does my list need for me? What do I need to get done? So we have to train ourselves into flipping that script. And sometimes the answer is, I need my mom, or I need to sleep, or I need rest. And like, those are perfect answers. The next step is leaning in and listening to those answers, following through on them. I love that. And that's a good lesson for moms, for for parents, and for leaders, right? That you have staff that works for you, really approaching it, not what they can do for you, but what is it that they need in order to be, you know, successful in what they, what they're doing. Last question. What would you tell everyone listening would be your, well, two questions. One, what do you do to stay, stay grounded and happy and, you know, just what makes you feel your best self? And then what would be the final kind of tip that you would, you would give our, our audience, you know, in terms of making the world a better place? So in terms of like my own self-care, my journaling practice has been the most important piece of my journey for the past, honestly, even more so now that I've become a coach, because I need some place to put my stuff outside of mentors and my therapist support teams, like outside of that, sometimes you just need to like, without prompts or even like the goal of fixing or healing, just a place to like reflect or to think or to do nothing there. So that's always my baseline is like I journal every single day. Sometimes it's a half page, sometimes it's 10 pages and I don't even know what I'm talking about. But then there's also the felt experience, which for me, I, I have to be outside. I, as much as possible, I like to go to the Jersey shore. I like to be by bodies of water. I want to make sure that my physical body is getting vibrationally like what it needs. And then making sure there are people in my life that also kind of match where I'm at. And I'll say within that, and this is something I'm always working on is I still have to do a better job of asking for help. So I find that when I have my own systems and structures in place and I have a good support network, they usually can tap in and be like, Hey, you're not yourself. And so while that's not really me doing my self-care, I, I basically set up like bowling bumpers, essentially. That's always the visual I get. It's like, what are going to be the, the checkpoints so that no matter what you keep returning to your own care. And sometimes that is the people in your life to like hold you up and support you. So that's that first question's answer. And then the second one, I, 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 I fall victim to this where I'm like, I want to heal the world. And I want to, all of, I think most people do. We want like the big, this is how we make the world a better place. Right. Start at the micro level, focus on not just yourself, but even more micro focus on your own self-judgment because at, at the very least, if we can judge ourselves less, we're probably going to be happier, but most of our judgment winds up turning into projection. So ways in which I judge myself, I judge other people for, or my inability to come to judgment makes me, or come to honesty within myself, makes me want to judge or not fully understand outside of me. So if we can heal that like inner layer 
of self-judgment and just how we work on judgment, period. What our views are or the flip, my ability to be compassionate and understanding. When we work on that and then you go out and you interact with the world or you're looking at how someone thinks or how they function or their own, you can support them better. You can interact with them maybe in a different way. And I think that we get to like hear and understand each other from a more grounded space. It's so true. You know, I love your analogy of the oxygen mask and um, we have to put it on ourselves first. You know, at, at Honor, we, we say you, you cannot give from an empty cup. So you have to fill your cup first. Yeah. So that is, you know, the key to really, in order to heal the world, we have to heal ourselves first. And that's a beautiful, a beautiful way to look at it. So Amanda, tell us um, how, how can someone get in touch with you and learn more about what you do and talk to you and interact with you? All information on coaching is on my website. It's amandahugginscoaching.com. First name, last name, coaching. Super simple. And then on social media, on Instagram and on TikTok, it's it's Amanda Huggins. So it's Amanda Huggins as one word, which feels very hard to explain with the it's there sometimes. And then I'll have a couple of upcoming courses on scarcity versus abundance and energetic reboots that kind of combine scientific, spiritual, and tactical approaches that we've been talking about. So a lot of fun stuff. Everything will be on my website. And also just don't be shy to like say hi. That's okay too. That's great. And I, I love how Amanda put in her bio. She studied neural reprogramming, yoga, meditation, and traditional self-help tenants to really give her clients the, the tools to develop a template for you know healing. So love that so please check her out on instagram and her website i would like to thank all of you for listening and remember this podcast is triple cast is sponsored by the honor yoga foundation it is available both on youtube and all the podcast channels and the honor yoga foundation is a 501c3 nonprofit that really helps to bring yoga and meditation to diverse groups that suffer from both mental physical uh social and economic challenges. Um, so we really put yoga to where it's needed most for those that don't have access to mainstream. So please support us with your donations at honoryoga.org. It is tax deductible. And we appreciate you, Amanda. We are going to send you a humble warrior shirt because you are a humble warrior out there doing good work in the world. And we appreciate you. The light in us honors the light in you. Thank you so much for being our guest today and sharing your light with us. Thank you so much for having me. Namaste.